Okay. Welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants. I'm thrilled to be here with Tori Franke. Tori, welcome. Hi. Thank you. Great to have you you here uh, in uh, Corpus Christi, right? You're in Corpus Christi, South Texas? Yes, that is correct. Corpus Christi, Texas. And uh, little did I know that Texas has beaches uh, until you until you yeah. told me that. <laughs> we do. A nice one, really. Yeah. And so we're here to talk about your business today because you have a Pilates studio uh, and your journey, the journey that you're still on to make that business um, more profitable and, and basically design it better to achieve your goals. Uh, so could you just start by introducing yourself for the the Pilates Stratosphere, please? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm Tori Fromke, and I am the owner and operator of Bayside Pilates here in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, I started Pilates about 2017, and it's been a wild and bumpy ride ever since, but I wouldn't have done anything different. So, Well, I probably would have done a few things different had I known, but I wouldn't change the switches that I made to become a Pilates instructor or to open a studio. So, Yeah. I- I I always struggle with those questions like, oh, what would you advice would you give your younger self and that, or what would you do different? Because I think like, well, yeah, sure, I've made a lot of mistakes, but it's like, well, that's all of those things have brought me to where I am now and turned me into the person I am now. So I sort of feel like, well, it's kind of like, well, that's that's life, you know, like you make mistakes and you learn along the way. And if you'd never make mistakes, you never learn anything. Absolutely. How would I know 90% of the things I know had I not just trial yeah. and error? Um, so, so, you know, we first talked a couple of years ago, tell, give, and so give us a snapshot of your, and, and since, since I set it up a little bit. So since that time, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, probably like 2022 or 2021 when we first talked somewhere around there. I think so. Probably 2021. Yeah. Say. And, and we talked about your business at that point, not on the podcast, but just, uh, you know, we just, we just connected on zoom, I think. And uh, so at that point, you'd been running your business for a little while already. Uh, and my recollection is you were really grinding, teaching an immense number of sessions per week and just struggling to find anyone else to to help you with that. Because uh, Corpus Christi is not a very big town, right? The population of a few thousand? Oh, no, we're a little bigger. Than, we have a population of about 300,000. So. Okay. Not super small, not super, you know, super big. Um, but yeah, no, everything you said is right. I was, I was running my business, grinding it out, struggling, teaching probably 80% of the sessions or classes that were going on at the time. And so what were, you know, at that point, how long had you been operating your business? Like when did you open Bayside? Well, I purchased Bayside from another instructor or from another uh, studio owner in 2019, like towards the end of 2019. So that was really fun. We had, we had the end of 2018 and I'm like, oh, I'm a new business owner. And then we had COVID and I'm like, ah, I'm a business owner. So that was really nice. Um, thankfully, we live in an area where we were not shut down super long. We definitely, you know, took a hit and it was scary. But um, I don't know. I think I almost think it kind of highlighted um, what we were doing in a way when we were able to open back up. So anyway, so I purchased the studio in 2019. Um, at the time I purchased it, it was understood that the owner was going to work there a few more months, the previous owner, and then she was going to be moving away. Um, we had a staff of 
I think four, only two of us were technically full-time. The other two were like, I teach a little here and I teach a little there kind of staff. There were five reformers only. Um, so it was a pretty small studio, like very, very boutique, I guess you would say. And um, yeah, that that's kind of where I was sitting. So I took it over. We, after COVID hit and we closed down for a little bit and then we opened back up. Um, one of the instructors, the original, the owner, she had moved on. So we were down to about three staff members and yeah, I was hustling, grinding it out. <laughs> we're also the only, stu- well, at the time we were the only Pilates studio of its kind in the area. There was a couple other um studios that did very small like maybe two or three people at a time um not that we were that much bigger but we had like consistent classes on the schedule where others I don't think did so we were really the only Pilates studio in the area um we're always late to all the all the new fun things this area it's kind of a part of its charm though and what were your so what were your main kind of pain points because you've been on a real big journey over the last you know, couple of years to to build your business into an into a new form so what what were you what were you solving for oh gosh so big pain points was um you know with there being no other studios here there's just not a lot of instructors there's not instructors just you know knocking on your door wanting to take class so that was a pain point um also just i think this is probably what everyone finding quality people to work for you, people who actually care. Um, so that's a big pain point. And then just, I love teaching. It's like, there's nothing like that high of a fun class where, you know, everyone is having a great time and collaborating and there's nothing like that. But also when you're doing that 30 to 40 hours a week and you're showing up at 6 a.m. and you're not leaving the studio or you're coming back at, you know, 6 or 7 p.m., like it takes a toll. So. I'd say those were the biggest pain points. Um, also not, not really not knowing what I'm doing or what I was doing. I mean, I, but does anyone, I don't know. You just kind of figure it out as you go and take the problems as they come and, and hope for the best. Try better yeah. if you don't, if it doesn't work out so best. Um, but those were probably the biggest small things. And. All right, so you were essentially kind of stuck on this treadmill of teaching all the classes and couldn't get anybody to, you know, to to take over a significant portion of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know it's so much that I couldn't. I just, I think you just get so into the thick of it and you're doing it all and letting go is like, is really hard or Mm. trusting someone else to do it. Like you do it is really hard. And that honestly is probably still one of my biggest problem areas is just being able to let go and let someone else help you. All right. Well, let's explore that a little bit because one of the things I want to ask you as we progress is, you know, what, what you've learned along the way, but this is obviously something Maybe, and maybe you're still in the process of learning this. I don't know. I, I often have the experience of like, oh, yeah, I've learned this like 10 times before, but obviously I haven't learned it yet because I still needed to learn it again, apparently. It um, um, so tell me about, but, but, but it seems that you have, you have learned it to some degree. 
because you have stepped back and you're not teaching 28 classes a week anymore. So, yeah, so tell me about what about that process of letting go and what has enabled you to do that successfully to the degree that you have? All right. Um, I think, gosh, where do I start here? Okay. So I think what really was the turning point was when I decided, okay, I have to make finding someone who can take some of this load, who can, who I can trust, who can come in and, and help or else we're never going to grow. I essentially just bought myself a job and an expensive one at that and a hard one at that, you know? Uh, so I think it all started with trying to find some good people, zeroing in on, okay, I need to find some people to bring in to help me. Um, That kind of started, that's how I guess I started my relationship with you guys. Um, There was a couple girls that were coming to my studio at the time. They were young, they were adorable and they loved it. They were having a great time. Um, I approached them and said, hey, I think you should be Pilates instructors and I think you should take a training, become a Pilates instructor and then come back and work for me. Like, I don't have time to train you myself. So go on and come back when you're ready. So they did. And only one of them ended up working for me. Um, the other actually ended up working for you. She moved away. So that's cool. And from that point, I was able to kind of start to offload a little bit, restructure a little bit, um, have a few more hours for myself where I felt like I could focus on other things in the business to make it more, I don't know, automated, if you will, or just to let go of more things. So I then brought in um, a couple other people that, or one other person in particular, that um, she had had like yoga training and stuff. So I was like, hey, I'm going to train you. I'm going to just put all my information in my brain into your brain, and we're going to, we're going to make this go. And she's been awesome too. So I think something that has been so pivotal in the success that the studio has had thus far is the team that we have. Well, we're not huge. We're up to, gosh, I guess now we have a staff of nine. What doesn't sound like a big jump when you like just write it out in terms of, oh yeah, we went from like four to nine. It's not that many more, but it is the same studio still. Um, it's a lot more. It's It's been huge. So my team is so, I'm I'm so picky about who I bring in and we all are like this little family. So yeah, maybe we don't hang out with each other all the time outside of work, but we're all so close. We're like a little, a little family. And I think that's a very delicate balance. Um, I would never want to bring someone in who I felt like was going to rock that boat or tip that ship. So I think that's probably been one of the main things I wouldn't be here without the girls that I have. And so much of my time is spent making sure that they're happy. Like that nowadays, that's probably the biggest um, time, uh, I guess, demand on my time that I have is just making sure that they're good. And that's not even, you know, that's not always having a specific meeting with them, but that's just like being in their class and having a phone call, like, Hey, how are you? Or just, you know, sending a text or, you know, whatever it is, it's just hanging out in the studio, fostering an environment of friendship, but also, you know, at a professional level, but 
I have the utmost respect for them. And I feel like in return, they also have respect for me. Um, and we kind of all want the same goal. So we're all trying to help people. We're all trying to create a fun community. I want to zero in a little further on that inflection point. And it sounds like it was when you hired that first person that you trusted because before you, before at the beginning of what you just said, you were talking about you know, yourself in the first person. I was doing all the classes and I couldn't find anyone. And you ended up by talking about we. We are a tight-knit team and, you know, we have these values, et cetera. And so, so you know, take me back to that sort of that moment when you were, when you went from feeling like I'm the only one who can do it the way I want it done the way it needs to be done to, mm -hmm. huh, here's somebody who can do it just as good as me in a, in her own way, but who's going to take just as much care and, and deliver the quality that I want. And I can totally relax and go home and watch telly knowing that she's going to, you know, do, she's going to do justice to, to, to the business that I've, I've created. So tell me about that yeah. transition point. You know, I just think that it was, I guess it was her excitement that really, um, really sold me. She reminded me of myself when I first became a Pilates instructor, there was no really other studios for me to practice in. Like I did my training at the same studio that I now own. So I did my training in that studio. It was through a company that she was like leasing. Um, but I did my training through that studio and then I worked in that studio and then I bought that studio. And so I've never worked in another studio, but in us being the only studio that there was, um, I think probably for the first, I don't know, I guess two years that I was teaching, I don't, especially first year, I don't think I ever said no to an appointment unless I just wasn't in town, which wasn't often. I don't think I ever said no. I took anything and everything. And I think that made a world of difference because I was exposed to so many different people, so many all walks of life that walk, came through that door. Um, and it really, I think, flexed my my teaching muscles a lot. But I think it also helped me hone in on what service I wanted to offer, like what feeling I wanted to deliver to my clients, like how I wanted them to feel. And I think that's so much of what we do is, is making people feel a certain way. It's not so much the exercises, I think, sometimes, but that's something different. Um, so I think when that first person came in and I saw how much she wanted it and I saw that she was willing to, like, she just wanted to be there. She just wanted to be in the studio, hanging out, meeting everybody. Um, I think that was what made me relax a little bit and made me feel like, okay, this is going to be good. I can step back a little bit. I can give her some things. She's going to be awesome. I can see, you know, I can see the fire in her. She wants it. And so that was the first. And then I think from there, she, it was like, there was not that there weren't other people because the, the girls that were working for me before were, they were, they were in also, right. But they were also to their max of what they could do. They had, you know, kids, young kids at home. So their hours are limited. They had another job. So their hours are limited, whatever it was, but having just more bodies in the studio that wanted the same thing that were just as excited it just started to create this element of 
oh, like, I want to be here. And then the next girl that came in, she's like, she actually approached me. She was like, hey, I want to be, I want to work here. Like, I want to be here. What do I need to do to work here? And so I was like, come with me. I'll show you the way. Um, And I think it just kind of started, started from there. And I think just, I don't know, having an open door um, and giving people the opportunity to show you that they want it. You know you're doing things right as an employer when people start asking you if they can work for you. I hope so. But yeah, that that was good. That was a good time. All right. So that was really the first inflection point for you. That was the first big change you made in your business was getting in that that other person and then subsequently, mm-hmm. you know, more people who could sh- spread the load, which allowed you to step back from teaching all the time and you said you were starting to work on things like your know, automations and, you know, other things. So talk me through the, you know, the, what are the kind of big highlight, you know, headline points of the, the significant changes you've made in your business over the last couple of years that you feel have, and what are the things, you know, so include things that you've, that you changed that made a big difference, but also if there's anything you implemented and it's just kind of fell flat and didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't give you the result you expected or wanted. You know, tell us about that as well. What were the big what were the big bullet points that you did? All right. I would say big bullet big bullet points. Um having having more help. Um we implemented a price increase. I think one of our biggest challenges was that because I bought the studio from someone else, um, and we were like basically, you know, the only reformer studio, we had a very tight knit um clients set of clients already that kind of came with the studio which was good you know they they like kept us in the game but um they all had experienced pilates a certain way and they had you know people don't like change they had a very specific um expectation i guess of like this is what it's been this is what i expect it to be and so as a new owner it was a very tedious process I think of coming in and like wanting to implement changes and do do these things that I these ideas that I have but also not upsetting this the balance so much that everyone's like uh she's just changing everything you know so I think it really I had to take my time and kind of ease in and gain everyone's trust even more um and now so one of the main things we did is in 2020 Let's see. It was August of 2022. So I had owned the studio for a couple of years already. Uh, we went from having five reformers. Well, yeah, five reformers to eight reformers. So we added, we, ex- we expanded our class offering um, or class sizes, which was a little bit controversial. Um, all of our, most of our students or our clients had come from the philosophy from the first owner that was like small class is better. And you might get hurt in the small class. And that's what, you know, that's what I feel like kind of Pilates started as, right? Like it started very small and not that that was wrong or bad, but, you know, we've grown and we've evolved since then. And we know that maybe that's not so much the case. Um, so anyway, so bringing in eight spots versus five spots was like to some people, but I think then those people who had been on the wait list who couldn't get into certain classes that they really wanted to, you know, they were so grateful. So we started that. Um, that was August, 2022 by like November, 2022, we were, I had purchased two extra reformers that I kind of had just 
like waiting off to the side. So we went from then eight to 10 after a couple months. And I think people were like, "Eh," but not so bad. We kind of eased them in. Anyway, so something else we also did is we weren't offering memberships before because we just honestly, we couldn't handle, um, we we couldn't accommodate the load for memberships before. We only had five spots and most of the class times we had already had, you know, four or five people that were regulars in there. So they were already booked. And if we were to go sell memberships, it would be like, hey, I bought this membership and I can't get into a single class. So we had only done class packages, like a five pack or a 10 pack. So we had more reformers and then we said, okay, we're going to start offering memberships and the extra reformers and the memberships have been, that has been it. Like those have been probably the most pivotal things that we've done. Um, It's increased how much this, instructors can make per class. It's increased the amount of people that we can get into a class. It's made it um, more accessible, I think, price-wise to a lot of our clients. It's also um, made it more enticing to the clients in the way that it's like they have a, I guess they have something to be accountable for. Before it was like, oh yeah, I can buy a 10-pack and I'm going to go to Pilates once a week or twice a week, but then Two weeks go by and I didn't make it. Oh, I'll go next week. And so there was no accountability. Um, so now, you know, you have your classes, like use them or lose them. And so we see that people are more regular. People come in more often. Um, it's just honestly been a positive experience on all fronts. Definitely some learning pains on the the billing and the, all that. But we still have our, our issues with that every now and then, but not too much. Uh, so those two things have been big. and then working finding someone that I could work with that had some business experience like that could be kind of a I don't know like a mentor or an advisor as you will finding someone who had some experience not only just in running a business or a small business but in actually the Pilates industry that's been really big for me um having someone that can just use as a soundboard someone that has some experience or that I can bounce ideas off of and has a different perspective that's been huge. And then it was just this last year, 2023, um, we added two more reformers. <laughs> so we have gone from, uh, I guess, five in the beginning to 12. And it's awesome. It's, the vibes are good. Wow. How did you fit 12 reformers? in a space that used to accommodate five, are they stacked on top of each other, literally? Or like, did you knock out walls or were you just completely wasting space when you only had five reformers? I think it was just a really a wasted space. So when I bought the studio, it was, we offered reformer Pilates. We had five reformers. We had five chairs. Um, All the reformers had a tower on them. So we had like the tower, the chair combo situation. And then we also had a Cadillac, which are huge. And then we also had um, a ballet bar that we used to offer bar classes. So that took up a lot of space. And then we have, uh, or we had a tiny room. I don't even know how we fit. We had a tiny little spin room. We used to offer spin classes. Um, so when I first took over, we took out the spin room, we knocked down the wall and we kind of like reorganized everything and then got rid of the spin. Cause that was just, 
I think there's something to be said for just finding what you're good at and like just being so good at that thing, right? So with the spin and the bar and the all the other stuff, um, it just took up a lot of space. And so with that space, I never thought, I don't know, I never thought that there could be, I never thought 10 reformers could fit in there. I had, I don't know, there's the space that the bar took out. I just, I just didn't think that it would be possible. And then I was looking for other spaces and the rents were so high to move somewhere else. And it just felt like it was going to be such a big undertaking to move. And I was like, you know what, what if we just move some stuff around and see, like, see what we can do. So we started playing around, moving things. And um, we used to have everything like all in one line. And now we have it like two. They're just like stacked in. But there's plenty of space between each reformer still. Um, We got rid of the Cadillac when we brought in the last two reformers. We had the Cadillac. My uh, advisor was, he was asking, he's also, how much revenue do you actually bring in on that Cadillac? And I was like, you know, we don't really use it unless we don't have space. Unless... (laughs) It's like a last resort. We're like, oh, the class is full and I have a private session. I'll put them on the Cadillac. Like, we'll use that. That'll be fun. Um, so, yeah, it was just, you know, a large piece of equipment that is beautiful and fun and really cool. But also just is it is it practical? Probably not. So, yeah. And what about um, the chairs and the towers? Do you still have those? We do still have. So all of the new reformers that we bought. So we have six reformers that have a tower and six that don't. And we still have six chairs. So if we ever have, I don't know, if, we, or if we're doing privates and we want to use the tower or the chair, we can. If we are um, teaching a class and it just happens to not be full, you know, we can do a tower or chair class. Um, we've also started playing with incorporating the chairs. Since we have six, we'll kind of do like a, a little bit of a circuit style where it's like, okay, this half gets on the chairs, this half stays on the reformer, and then we'll swap. So it's been... Um, there's still room for all of those. We have them just between the reformers and, wow. and yeah. So we've got to stay in our same space, which is like. It's amazing, right. isn't it? I, I see this all the time on social media. I see photos of people's beautiful Pilates studios, gorgeous light, you know, wooden floors, windows, tall ceilings. And then this like one piece of equipment and then like this acres of space and then another piece of equipment. <laughs> And I, all I think when I see that is like all of the dollars they're missing out on by not putting as many people in that room at the same time. Uh, and so obviously you've figured that out and it's. Well, it wasn't all of my, oh, sorry, I definitely ahead. had experience from others. So. Yeah. Well, I think it's also, it's also paradoxical that, and I a hundred percent agree with you when you say it's better to be really, really good at doing one thing. And to, and to just do that, I think paradoxically, uh, and I think I did an episode on this a little while back, more income streams usually doesn't equal more income. Being really freaking good at one thing is what's going to generate you the most income. Like be really good at group reformer, you know, don't worry about the spin or the bar or the piloxing or the, you know, whatever. Uh, and not that any of those things are bad, but doing all of them, it just dilutes your offering and you can't see as many people at the same time and you you don't become known for being excellent at, at a certain thing. You know, you don't get a reputation. Become a jack of all trades, master of none. And and you know, when you when you optimize your space so you can do bar and 
Cadillac and Spin and Group Reformer and whatever. It's like, well, it's not optimized for any one of those things. It's kind of a trade-off and none of them are, you know, optimized. So sure. yeah, I, I love what you've done to just really hone in on like how many reformers can we get in this in this room? Um, I know. I told myself, I said, if I try to bring any more reformers in here, just cut me off. Tell me no. Like we're no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna encourage you. I think I think 14 is the this oh. gold. I think 14 is perfect. And I think that uh, because I mean, obviously, you know the math, right? Every reformer you add. You know, if you're, you know, at a standard studio, if you're charging, say, $25 a class and teaching 50 classes a week, every reformer you add is $50,000 a year on your bottom line. You know, it's crazy. Um, um, But there is some point where if you go beyond a certain number, well, one, it can be hard to fill the classes. And so those reformers only make you money if there are people on them. Uh, And two, uh, at some point, people do notice a, a a de- decrement in the amount of attention they receive and the et cetera. And I think that sweet spot is around 14. Uh, and I, the reason I think that is I, I've uh, seen, a, you know, we've got, I've seen hundreds of financials of hundreds of studios here in Australia. And we've in Australia, we've got, um, you know, I think our Pilates industry is more developed than the US. Like I think we, we have this group reformer thing, you know, it's Absolutely. you literally pretty much can't swing a cat around your head without hitting four Pilates studios on any in any capital city. In I mean, that's incredible. That's awesome. Um, and the model that has thrived, the model that has become, you know, the winning model is this kind of 12 to 14 reformers in a room. You know, bigger and smaller models are much less common. You know, like you you rarely see what someone with 20 reformers, you rarely see someone with six reformers. You know, because those businesses just can't compete, right? They don't, they don't make as much money as the other business, as the ones with 12 to 14 reformers. And hence they can't afford to spend as much on ads. They can't afford to pay their instructors as much, et cetera. So they just, they just don't survive as much uh, in a competitive marketplace. So I think 12 to 14 is, is the absolute sweet spot. It's going good for us so far. This, this 12 has been, it's been really, it's, it's good. Yeah. That's We're awesome. liking it. And, and it's right. also. I think when you have such a small studio, like say when we went from five, it it's fun and it like, you know, a full class is great, but a full class is five people, six with the instructor. But when you've got 12, something in the energy just shifts and it is like, it's a whole experience. It's just, everyone's there just grinding it out together. Yeah. So I've found that, uh, you know, 12 to 14 reformers, or you know, clients basically uh, in the room is the sweet spot. Yeah, um, I there's definitely something to be said about the difference in energy that there is when you have a class of five, which we used to have, versus a class of twelve. It's like five. Your full class is fun, and everyone's just doing their own thing. But when you're in a class of twelve, it's like you're in a group. You're all yeah. moving together. You're like grinding it out. You're. It's just so. It has an energy that the smaller classes just don't have. And it's so fun. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be part of that? I think, uh, you know, that often gets forgotten in the conversation about class size, where we talk about, you know, more personal attention in a smaller class, which is true. 
But actually what people often don't take into account is actually a better vibe in a bigger class and more energy for the instructor and for the participants. And that's why as humans, we like to go to like big concerts and, you know, see marching parades and, you know, participate in, you know, those kind of church, you know, gatherings and and things where where we are surrounded by people. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I went to, you know, Taylor Swift's all everything, but I went to the Taylor Swift concert this last, last year. And I mean, it's just incredible. The energy that happens when you're all there for one purpose and you're all just having a great time doing whatever it is you're doing. And it just like the, the energy is good. I don't know. It's a, it's gotta be a phenomenon. Like, yeah. I'm sure it is. There, there is research I've seen on, in fact, in the military, uh, when they get new recruits to basically just all march together, there's something about synchronous, moving in synchronization with other people, just a physical movement, you know, right. in synchronization with other people that actually creates a bond between people and makes them feel comradeship and makes them feel like a group rather than just a bunch of individuals. Uh, and so there's actual psych- psychological research behind the why, why the military does that. And I think we can totally harness that in, in Pilates. Absolutely. I believe it. It's, it's such a, um, you know, everyone wants to be part of something. I think that's just human nature. Everyone wants to be part of a, of a group or of a team or whatever it is, you know, everyone wants to be like there and be accepted. And so, I mean, that's a really powerful thing, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. All right. So, Tell me, tell me about your pricing because you said it, you raised your prices, but then a little bit later you said it's now more affordable with the membership. So tell me about your prices when it was five on one and your prices now it's 12. So we did raise our prices um, for certain things. And then we offered with the membership to kind of make them more accessible. We did go down in our pricing a little bit. So, but we added more bodies to the room so it kind of like hey we get to give you this discount on the pricing but like there's just more spots available so win-win um we went up on our private prices so we do a lot of um private training i would say it's probably about 30 percent of our revenue and it's nice on numerous levels because it gives us kind of something that i don't know is say for the instructors who want to do this full time, it gives them something to fill in those hours that don't have a group class um, where they can still be there. They can still be making money. And honestly, during COVID, when we got to open back up, those privates are what kept us afloat. Like just having that because, you know, people felt safe to come in and be one-on-one instead of in a group. And it was just um, not only did that, you know, give us some financial security as instructors, like we got to take home a paycheck still, but people felt good about coming in. So that's um, something that we definitely increased our prices on. We had never gone up on them. We went, so now we're at, it's $70 if you do basically a recurring membership. So you sign up for something you get billed weekly and you have to use your sessions up. If you don't use one one week, then they accumulate and they expire after a month if you don't use them. So it kind of gave the instructors a little bit more stability in their paychecks because I think before we would sell 10 packs, right? And they were very expensive because it'd be, it was, we charged $60 a session before and it would be like, okay, you can buy a 10 pack at $600 upfront. And it's like, that's kind of painful to just 
be like, okay, I'm just starting and I feel like I want to take some privates, but like, I don't really know if I like it, but here's $600. Um, it can be kind of painful. So to be able to pay for it kind of as you go, like it's not, it's in smaller bites. It's not so painful, I think has been really big, but it's also given stability to the instructors in their, in their income because, you know, I don't have Sally who, oh yeah, I'm going to come twice this week and then I'm not going to come for three weeks. And then I want you to put me back on your schedule and come twice next week, you know? So they know that they're getting paid and it also incentivizes them to make room in their schedule for their privates to get those in. So I feel like that was a win-win for the studio and the instructor and the clients. It gives them a little bit more accountability. So if you just want to do like a single private, then it's a little bit more. But if you sign up for the membership, the reoccurring payment, a little bit less. So we went up on that. And then we've always done our classes by like packages. And we went up quite a bit on our packages. So the packages are about $30 a class um, for a 10 pack. So 300 bucks front for a 10 pack. And then if you want to do a five pack, it's like, I think, what is it like $33, $32 and a single session is 35. So we went up basically like five to $10 per class on that from what we were at. But then we said, but don't freak out. We have a membership (laughs) and it's about the same price. So then we offered the memberships and you have an option. We don't offer an unlimited membership. I don't think mm-hmm. we'll ever offer an unlimited membership. Uh, I don't know that we could handle it, honestly. But it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. So, we offer you can do 4 times a month, 8 times or 12 times. And if you want to come more than that, then you can buy additional classes for a discount if you're a mm-hmm. member. Um So you have different pricing tiers and so you were what what were the members what was the 10 pack price before you increased it we increased it 50 dollars, so it was 250 so it was about 25 a class okay so it was 25 a class on the 10 pack and then you put it up to 30 a class but guess what i can still come for 25 a class if i sign up for a membership mm-hmm. love it mm-hmm. and then you're more accountable you come more regularly Um, and then even like for our, so the cheapest class offering that we have is $23 a class. And that's for, if you come 12 times a month. So those people don't come 12 times, do they? They might come 10 times or something like that. You know, I feel like it kind of averages that. I think most people, I think it's, it's expensive enough that most people who have it for the 12 pack will use it. I, I think we see more of the people who do the eight times a month foregoing a class every now and then interestingly enough um but yeah. most of the people who do the 12 times they're like i'm coming i'm getting my 12 i pay yeah. for this good for them um but yeah it's awesome you know we want people to come we don't want you to yeah, not come absolutely but just statistically if the maximum is 12 the average is not going to be 12 like it's going to be you know less than 12 because someone gets sick one time or whatever and so the average is going to be 11 point something or 10 point something, um, you know, just given the laws of statistics. Yeah. So, and then we're really, right. probably, we're, we're probably one of the, I don't know, maybe just looking at others, we're pretty strict on our cancellation policy. Um, so for um, cancellations, if you are not a member, so you're just doing drop-ins or packages, it's 24 hours. So 24-hour cancellation policy or you lose your class. 
if you um, are a member, then you get 12 hour cancellation policy. So cancel before 12 hours and you don't lose your costs. So that way the instructor still gets paid for their time and for their, you know, them planning you into their schedule and you holding a spot in the class. And that's working really about, nicely. And so, sorry, did you say 12 hours if you remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you've gone from, I mean, this is still kind of churning in my mind. You've gone from essentially, you know, $25 a session with five people max to now $25 a session with 12 people max. Did I miss anything there? No. No. So, um, you know, for those of you listening to this, like, just do the math there. That's more than double the revenue per session, right? Um, Has your rent doubled? No, our rent has gone up in the years. And I feel like, honestly, everything has gone up in the years. Um, mm. Like just, I mean, our hosting service, like MindBody is just. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, they don't mind you for a bit more when you get more customers. Oh, yeah, they do. Um, they, they like to have a portion of that. But honestly, it's something that I think um, also help is we pay our instructors per head. So I think that our instructors, like they are able to make a really like a decent living wage if they want to work full time, which, you know, full time is like not more than 30 hours. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they can teach a full class and come away from that hour, like making a pretty good, decent amount of money. Right. Um, so yeah. we've not limited them really on how much they can make. It's per head. And I think that that really incentivizes them to, I don't know, be peppier and like entice people into coming into their classes. Um, it just makes them, you know, gives them something more to work for. I've, I feel like if I had to teach a class and I made $50, whether it was full or not, like, would I care if it was full or not? Right. And I think I this is, I'm so impressed that you're doing this, uh, Tori, because I think a lot of instructors, uh, in my experience, have been resistant to a per head payment. They they prefer like a, a flat fee. And a lot of studio owners for that reason are really hesitant to pay the instructor on a per head basis. Really? Uh, but I think my, think my view is. is, well, yeah, my view is that, I mean, you and the instructor, you as the studio owner and instructor, you're partners in this. And, you know, you want to set up a, a situation where you both, you know, if if you if one wins, both win, you know. So you don't want a situation where where you're getting hundreds of dollars and that instructor gets a flat fee of fifty dollars and you're just laughing all the way to the bank and they're struggling to pay rent. Equally, right. you don't want to set up a situation where you're paying them an exorbitant fee to teach four people and you're actually losing money on that. You know. So what you yeah. want is a situation where both you and the instructor and the client feel like, oh, what a great deal I got. That was an awesome, you know, experience and I profited from it, whether financially or physically or, or emotionally or all of the above. And so when when you pay per head and you have an instructor who takes the same view that, hey, we're in a partnership here, and if if I can put more bums on reformers in this session, everyone wins. You know, more more clients are going to benefit, the studio is going to benefit more, and I'm going to benefit more as an instructor, like everyone wins. If if you have instructors in the in the studio who take that view, then of course they're going to be incentivized by a per head, you know, payment. And so my my view is that 
you, you know, we as, in, as studio owners should do what you've done, which is which is a, seek out and attract and filter for people who have that mindset of let's win together and let's align our incentives so that you know what's good for me is also good for you, and therefore we work we're working together to achieve a common goal. And and when we achieve it, we both get we both share in the reward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it makes you feel like you have, I don't know, control. Maybe you have some control over like, yeah, maybe you work at a studio, but, but you also have authority and control over how much you make. You know, when I was just an instructor, I mean, even still sometimes I, if I had a class that wasn't full, I'd be texting my friends. I'd be texting people like, Hey, come to class, like come sign up. I'm teaching, you know? And so that just creates more of a more fun environment too. Right. And that's, the person you want working for you, right? <laughs> you don't want the person who's like leaning up against the wall going, oh, it's not my job to fill the class. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just here to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I mean, so, we'll help you all we can, but, you know, at a point, it's going to be I mean, a... you want your job. Your, I think your job as a Pilates instructor is not just to teach a good class. It's to teach a full good class. Yeah, sure. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, when... When I hire people as a studio and when I hire instructors and when, when any studio owner hires instructors, you know, the, the problem you're hiring them to solve is like a full class of happy clients. You know, that's, that's what you want, right? Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, that's what everyone yeah. wants. Right. All right. Okay. So you, you, you've managed to, and I think this is, you know, astoundingly, you know, a, like just really, really, really well done, well played. That you've you've managed to essentially maintain your same price, whilst more than doubling the capacity in in the session, which is just, you know, I mean, there should be fireworks and you know, <laughs> things going on. I, know I, think, that. I think something that is also so hard is like congratulating yourself or feeling feeling like you've done a good job. I don't know, or admitting to yourself that like, okay, this is good. Like I, I did this. This is okay. It's hard. It's hard to right. see, to see that side. Right. And I think, you know, and I know that you don't necessarily want to discuss like hard financial data, but just as a, as a kind of um, hypothetical example, right. And just for the listeners that, and I, Tori, I know you already know this, but you know, just to really spell it out for people, because I had to learn this um, a few years back and it blew my mind, is that when you double revenue, you like, you can way more than double profit. You can like five times or 10 times your profit. And the simple math on that is let's just like keep it really simple and say you make $100 in revenue from from teaching a class, right? So you've got five clients at $20 each. And just say the cost for you to put that class on is $50. Again, that's not, I'm not saying this is what you should pay your instructors, but just to keep the math simple, right? Well, if you double your revenue to $200 and your cost stays at $50, even if you incentivize that instructor and say, okay, I'll give you an extra dollar for every client, right? So now, now we've got, you know, we're paying them $60 instead of $50, right? Mm-hmm. So your cost has gone up by $10, but your revenue has gone up by like $100, right? So now you've got an extra yeah and instead of instead of $50 profit you've got $140 profit you've almost tripled your profit by doubling your revenue and 
tripling is is conservative in a lot of situations. So um, because often your costs don't, you know, like your rent doesn't change, your internet provider service doesn't change, your insurance doesn't change, your or the cleaning bill doesn't change. So, so most of your costs don't go up at all when you add more revenue per class. Some yeah. of them go up a bit, but nowhere near as much as the revenue. So, you know, for those studio owners out there, when you think about if you if you put up your prices ten percent, you don't make ten percent more profit. You can make a hundred percent more profit. Yeah, and that's why you need a good financial advisor who can build that a spreadsheet. Is- that- Figure that stuff out, and you go. What the heck am I using this Cadillac for? And I could put into more reform. <laughs> I know, I know. Yep. Um, he told me like, "How long are you going to keep that thing?" And I said, "I don't know. I just have this attachment to it." He said, "I think you need to detach <laughs> as soon as possible." Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess. You know, how how does what does your week look like now? How are things different for you? Because before you were teaching all the classes and kind of stressing over how do I get off this this mouse wheel here? Yeah. And yeah, so what does what does your week look like now? Well, I still, you know, I still I still will stress out sometimes. I'm still the the final, you know, the final man that if something can't get covered, I'm your girl. Um but Now my week looks, it's just a little more structured. I have a little more time for myself or for my family. Um, But I have kind of before, man, my schedule was all over the place. It was, I was there and I was here and I was there and I was here. And now it's just, you know, I teach usually Monday through Friday, but it's not that much. It's just enough for me to go in and, you know, I teach a few classes. Um, I still have a few privates that I do that you know, I just, I'm a tad. I love them. Uh, but I teach a few classes. I think that, you know, that's not something that I really want to give up. I love, I love teaching. Like it's, it's fun. And I love the business side of it too. But, um, I know that I need to teach probably still less. I probably teach about maybe 15 hours a week, maybe 12 to 15. I know it should probably be less. Um, but I never want to give up my group classes because the way I see it is a, I think a small business thrives when the owner is there and present and everyone sees that, that you care. And it's just, you know, anytime I go to a a small business and I can see the people or the owner who works there and they just, they just have this energy to them where they put, they just believe in what they do so hard that it's like, they just go hard all in, you know? And I think when the owner fully steps away and people don't see them and they're not, they don't have a presence anymore. I think some of that magic kind of gets lost. And so it's important to me to always, you know, to be around. And um, when I teach a group class and there's 12 people, I get to interact for a whole hour with 12 people, right. Who then go out and like tell their friends and their family, like what a great time they had, how much they love the studio. And so that's cool. I like to be there. Um, five days a week, usually I'll go in and I'll teach some classes. I'll hang out. I'll hang out with the instructors, you know, hang out with whatever clients stay and want to chat. Most of my time probably is spent like people will think, oh, she just hangs around and like doesn't do work. But that is like the work, you know, sitting around and chatting about the schedule with one of the girls or with, you know, about a specific client or problem solving, you know, when they need help with whatever it is. So that's kind of what my day looks like now. 
um, classes sprinkled in around all the other day-to-day activities that I'm doing up at the studio, but I like to be there as much as I can just have a faith. I think that that is important. I think it's something that makes the studio stand out. Um, and I enjoy it. One more question of just about mechanics. How do you bring in all of these clients? Do you advertise? Do you do, is it purely word of mouth? You know, how do you get these people? So we do the Instagram. I run the Instagram account. Um, don't come for me. I don't post that much, but I try. And so I run the Instagram account, uh, before probably like maybe a month ago, we didn't advertise, pay for any advertising really outside of Well, we didn't pay for any advertising, really. Just hard stop. Um, We have started paying for, like, you know, running some Facebook ads and stuff now. Um, I have it set up basically to target um, certain areas and certain, I guess, demographics, mostly female. We love males and we have males who come to our class, but most of them are female. Um, So we do advertise a little bit now, but most of it is word of mouth basically all of it or something else that makes us is lucky for us is that we've been the only studio in Corpus for so long that does group reformer like on a large scale where we have, you know, classes every day um, for so long that if you Google Pilates in Corpus Christi or reformer Pilates Corpus Christi, we're like the first thing that comes up. So I haven't had to like pay for Google ads or anything because we're just like, we're, I mean, we're at the top. If you Google it, we're right, we're right there. This last year, um, we got our first, I would say, like, which would te- technically, I guess you would consider our first competitor, like real competitor. Another Pilates studio moved into town. It's a franchise. Um, but honestly, it's been fine. Like, there's more than enough people for both studios to be successful. And um, what we offer is kind of different, I think. And, like, it's just, if anything, it just brings more awareness in the area to the fact that there's Pilates here. So. That's great, you know? What, if you had to kind of guess a number, what what contribution do you think instructor, individual instructors make to filling those classes? Like how much of the additional clients that you have now is like individual instructors posting on their own Instagram accounts or DMing people or whatever and saying, hey, get, get, get your butt to class tonight? You know, I don't know. It's hard to say. I would say... That I don't really know. I don't know how many of them end up staying long term because, you know, because of that, like drop ins. Yes, that's like. But if you were to ask me how many of our clients stay because of our instructors, I would say 100 percent like they don't come. I mean, yeah, we're we're really experienced. Something which I think is kind of crazy when I stop to think about it is. Uh, up until just very recently, which we hired on two um, or a few new girls that are kind of like apprenticing, if you will, currently. Um, but all of our staff has been there. I mean, I haven't hired until recent, just very recently. I haven't hired anyone new for like since 2021. And so everyone that works there is so seasoned, is so experienced. Um, had so much, I don't know, like, I guess that's it, experience to give. So when you ask me how many of our clients come from our instructors, like literally all of them, because it's just. Right. So the, well, the sense I'm getting is that 
the new clients come from word of mouth and referrals and Google searches and they stay and continue, you know, regularly and frequently because of the instructors. So the, the role that the instructors play there is the quality of the product and also just, you know, connecting with individual people and saying, Hey, look, Hey, make sure you get here tomorrow night because I know you would sometimes you miss Tuesdays. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, Hey, I haven't seen you in my Wednesday class in a little while. Where have you been? You're normally here. And then they're like, Oh yeah, I need to get there. You know? So I think. And and that, and that is, that prevents churn, which is basically people leaving, you know, at the back door and, and the, the, the number one precursor to churn to someone canceling their membership, say, or not repurchasing a 10 pack is them just not showing up for a couple of weeks, right? Because people don't show up for a couple of weeks and then they think, oh, gee, I'm not using my membership. You know, maybe I'll cancel it, you know, and 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 just a, like literally a 10-word text the first time they miss class going, hey, Tori, like I missed you in class tonight. What's up? I hope I see you tomorrow. Bam, yep. that person's back on the horse and back on back in the routine and, and crisis averted, you know. Exactly. So what? What would you, you know, so rather than asking, you know, what would you, what advice would you give your younger self or anything? Because what kind of said at the beginning, I'm not really a fan of that. But what, what do you know now that you didn't know a couple of years ago? Oh man. That's such a, that's a, that's a long question or that's a, that could be a long list. Um, let me see. I would say just, hmm, I don't know. I'm blanking out. I think maybe just knowing that it's okay to try new things. Um, It's okay if you try something and it doesn't work. You can always go back or you can always say, oh, nope, I thought this was this and I was wrong. Just being a, not being afraid to try new things just because you think it might not work out. Love that. Because, hey, you put your prices up, you lose half your clients, you go, oh, sorry, putting my prices back down again. Oh. And those clients will keep coming. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Worst that, hap- worst that could happen is you, you know, you put two reformers in, everyone hates it, you take them out again. You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah, you can, you know, most of these decisions are not, irreversible you can you can just roll it back if you need to you hire someone that don't work out you can let go of them you know like yeah yeah and now if i you know had i said hey gang um i just bought the studio and we're gonna go from five to twelve reformers would that have been good no like it's also okay to to not just dive right in i think like just you know you can always test the waters with most things it doesn't have to be one big dramatic change at one time um you know, you could like usually you could feel it out. People will let you know if they're not liking it. Yeah. I also love what you did with that price rise where you introduced the membership because price is comprised like in any negotiation, there are price, there's price, there's the the actual dollar figure and then there's the terms, right? So paying $600 up front is not the same thing as paying $60 a week for 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, it, even though it's the same total number of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a different offer and. Uh, yeah, someone who might give you a hard no on $600 cash today might be like, oh, sure, I can do $60 a week, no problem. And and so the terms are, you know, in a lot of cases, more important 
than the actual price. And so when you increased your prices, you changed, you also gave an option for a change of terms so you can pay per week rather right. than, you know, buying a 10 pack. And so you gave a higher price, but more favorable terms. Hmm. And, and so it's, you kind of like made it harder in one way and easier in a different way. And hey. that no doubt made the, the, the pill go down a lot smoother for a lot of people. Definitely. And, I'm, and you gave people options, right? You can yes. keep paying the way you've been paying, but it's going to be a bit more expensive. Or if you want to keep paying the same price you've been paying, there's a new way for you to do that as well. Up to you. What do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people got to choose. And so I don't think anyone was just completely put off by like, well, you just raised your prices. Like, well, hey, like, here's an option. We understand, you know, like, Finances are what they are, um, but like this is something that we need to do, and we're going to do this. But like, here's this option for you. Also, just I feel like that's so much of it. it it's just repackaging things, the same thing, repackaging the same thing in a way that is nicer or in a way that isn't so painful. Like it's not such a shock, you know, to the system because six or seven hundred dollars up front when you don't know if you love something, or maybe you have, I don't know, maybe you live paycheck to paycheck, or maybe like your paychecks are budgeted out in a certain way and $700 is going to throw that all off. But okay, $70 a week. Okay. That's not going to throw off my budget. That fits right in. Um, It's a lot easier pill to swallow when it's packaged in that way. Yeah. How many clients did you lose when you put your group class prices up and introduced the memberships? I don't know that we lost any. I mean, how maybe many clients, like, how many clients would you say you've lost going from five to twelve reformers over the, over that span of time? I wouldn't say we. I mean, I wouldn't say we've lost any due to that trouble, like due to that that thing. You know, like we definitely lost clients. People move, people get injured, people just fall off, whatever. But I don't think that anyone left because we raised our prices, and I also don't think that anyone left because we added more reformers. Isn't that now, crazy? I, it and is that's the crazy. thing. That's what people are afraid of that stops them from adding more reformers and raising their prices. They're afraid they'll lose their clients. Right, right. And so it's like, well, what if, you know, like I said, you don't have to do it all at once. You know, now had we, we would have lost people had we gone, I think, had we gone from five to 12. But also I think that there's something to be said for um, easing in as just as an instructor. So Hey, we had like five reformers and it's a big difference teaching to a class of five than 12. There's a lot more bodies. There's a lot more you have to get. Um, you just have to get so much more fluid with the way you speak and what you say. And so it's a big it's a big jump. So for our instructors as well, it was so seamless because we went from five, which all of us were great at teaching five. Like this is easy. We could do this in our sleep. And then we went to eight and it's like, okay, we've got three extra. And then, all right, we're here for a couple of months. And that was fine. And then we went to 10 and we're like, okay, this is a lot of bodies, but like, it's fine. And so we get good at that. And now we're at 12 and it just seems like nothing's changed. Um, And maybe it has, I just don't think it has in a way that matters because the benefits have so outweighed anything that could have changed. You know, like, do you get as much personal assistance like no but also there's not so many of you that i can't go around and help everyone at least once 
right? And maybe they don't need help. And I think that's also been super empowering is um, we've had, we had so many already original clients that have been coming for so long that like they're pros, they know what we, they know what we mean when we say what, whatever it is we want them to do. And so then you have new people coming in who've never done it. And we're like, Hey, get next to Sally. She's great. If you're lost, like follow her. And so then you go from being one person in a group of five that doesn't know what they're doing. And the other four know what they're doing to now you're in a group of 12 and like maybe five know what they're doing and maybe three kind of do. And maybe five don't like you just, so it's, I think it's a lot more um, inclusive in that way. And so that's really nice too, because it used to be a whole thing that we did when we would bring in new clients, it would be like, we hated when new clients would sign up for a group class directly and not take what we call an intro session first. So the intro would be like a private session that's discounted and we get you in and we introduce you to the reformer and we show you how to use it. And we lead you through like a basic workout um, tailored to you and like whatever your goals are. And then from there, that kind of gave us like an opportunity to get to know you and know like, okay, is this person going to be okay in classes or should we push this person, you know, towards like a private situation? Um, but now we've kind of gotten away from that because it just, it's, it demands a lot of extra time from the instructors. And it's also a big barrier to entry. Like if you get online and you're like, oh, I really want to go to Pilates. And then you're like, oh, I have to book this intro session. And there's only like four spots available this week. And like none of those really work for me. And I kind of wanted to go tomorrow, but there's no spots open. And so it's just this big barrier to entry if you can't just jump into a class. And so now with there being so many and there's so many bodies to follow that like oh shoot I'm lost okay they're doing this okay I'm good you know it's it's so more accessible yeah I think that's such an important point I'm glad you brought that up that uh, you know making basically making it easy for people to get started and taking away those barriers and we've done that in our business as well what when I say done that I mean like we've had things in our onboarding process it actually just made it hard for people to get started it's like we created these artificial situations that it's actually just caused friction for people in the in the process and it, it over years you kind of become blind to those things because you've been doing it so long and you're like oh yeah you know there's another student sort of complaining they can't get an intro session you know and they want to start and you think like well why are we making these crazy rules that people have to do these things that actually prevent them from getting into class and like you say, when you're in a room with a bunch of other people and most of them kind of sort of know what they're doing, you just look around and copy what everyone else is doing and you're basically going to be able to follow along in most cases. Exactly. And so I think it's it's taken some of the scary out of it because starting Pilates can be scary. Um, but I mean, let's be honest, like if it's a weird machine, it moves. Um most of the people in the class have probably been coming forever. So you feel like a complete fish out of water. And it's like, if you're not, I don't know, like confident enough to go in and stick with it enough to make it feel good. Cause you know, the first time is like kind of weird and you're like, Oh God, did I survive that? Like what just happened? And then the second time you're like, okay, I, I think I get it. And then the third time you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I got this. Like this is good. And so if you can make it feel less scary, like there's more bodies in the room, it's not, you do have that community feeling. 
Um, you don't feel like you're one out of just a couple people who has no clue what they're doing. You don't feel so odd. You don't feel like yeah. such an odd. Yeah. There's a paradoxically, you can feel kind of more anonymous and that can be a good thing yeah. in a larger group when you're a beginner and you actually don't want to draw attention to, to yourself. Exactly. Exactly. I had a lady, um, just actually today, she told me, she said, I'm kind of like a back of the room in a class kind of girl. And I was like, you'll be fine. Nobody is even looking at you. Like everyone's focused on what they're doing and their machine. And it's like, you're going to be great. And so she's going to come in tonight. And I have no doubt that she's going to be amazing. You know, she's going to be awesome. Mm. There's wow. also a skill kind of dimension to that where you've obviously develop the skills in your team to teach a mixed level group where you've got like very experienced people and brand newbies and everything in between in the same class and not every instructor is confident doing that how have you developed that or you know fostered that in your team oh man you know that is such a big skill and i think that it takes a lot of years to learn that or maybe maybe not years but a lot of time at least and Something that has been, and I really honestly, like, thank you so much. I think the Pilates industry was so missing a, a good resource. And for me, Pilates Elephants has so been that. The information that you post on your Instagram has so been that. I, in our staff meetings, and our trainings, like, it is almost 100% of the time, it is something that you guys posted about. Mm. And I'm like, that, yeah, we need, they need that. We need that, you know? And so thank you, first of all, for that, because I think it's changed my views so much as a teacher. It's helped me grow. It's helped me kind of just like flex those muscles of my brain that you don't just accept something for, for face value for what it is when you hear it. You're like, oh, why? And you start to think of things in different terms. Um, and that has helped me grow so much. And it's helped me facilitate growth in my team so much um heat another one like i took a couple of his reformer pack things that he did holy like holy shit what is Heath is crazy i think our classes are hard and then i go do some shit that he's trying to have me do and i'm like this is we're wilding out right now um but i did the reformer pack and it was the most obscure time, like I could rarely ever with the time change, even attend live, but man, the times I attended live, like, I don't know that I've ever been pushed so hard, but it was also so incredible, you know? And I think that Heath does an exceptional job just taking his reformer pack for those 10 weeks. You start to notice this, this system that he has where he, um, he like layers things in a way that that are so scalable. And so I think it was like during my time of, of doing those classes that I started to think like, this is good. This is, this is something that's important. Um, and I think that that has changed the way that I think about my classes and how I, and how I, you know, progress them or set them up and the people who are in them. Um, but that's also then translated. So it's in my classes and then I'm teaching it. And all my instructors are taking my class at some point during the week. Usually um, we're all taking each other's classes. You have to, it's required. You, you take class at the studio multiple times a week. Um, and we all take class from each other. And so we all are interpreting ideas, 
you know, oh, I took so-and-so's class and that was really cool. What if I did this? And then it just kind of grows from there. And I think that that fosters like a friendly environment too. It's not like, oh, you can't teach this. This is mine. You know, it's not, it's not like that at all. It's so, it's so cool to see everyone's interpretation of it, you know? And so that has helped us develop that skill. I would say like Mm -hmm. exponentially. Two things I want to uh, add there. First one is just a real quick kind of sidebar on what you said about Heath's teaching with layering. And uh, so that's what we're Breathe Require Layered Teaching Framework. Yeah. And it basically just is, you know, it's not rocket surgery. You just, you pick up like a muscle emphasis, whether it's like glutes and hamstrings or abs or, you know, shoulders or whatever it is. And you choose an exercise in a body position that you're super confident everyone in the room can do for a couple of minutes, you know, super basic, super easy, simple small range of motion, low load, and then you just get everyone doing it and then you make it a bit harder and then you yeah. make it a bit harder and you make, and you keep going until almost no that's one can it. do it and then, you, then you're done. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, so I, my classes all the time, I'm like, honestly, you guys are so awesome. They're like, our clients are so awesome. They're just so badass. They show up every time and sometimes I just get so sentimental. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Um, I tell them all the time, I'm all, I think sometimes I teach and I'm just seeing how greedy I can be. I can be like, what can I get away with? When will you tell me no? Like y'all never tell me no. <laughs> it's awesome. Y'all are incredible. The other thing I want to, I want to highlight there again, which, which we, I talked about a, a moment ago, a few minutes ago in relation to the, 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 the shared kind of profit model, you know, the pay per head model that you're having, which is that you have a mindset of, you, you like everyone on your team wants to attend each other's classes and you know sit around in staff meetings and talk about teaching and talk about clients and uh, you know and, and I mean I don't know if you pay people for those activities or not and it doesn't matter but basically you have an expectation that to work on your team someone has to want to you know put in all those extra hours and that extra mental effort to be the best possible instructor they they can and to support the other team members in being the best possible instructor. And I think that's, I'd like to kind of contrast that with, you know, the the view that I used to take and I think a lot of instruct, a lot of studios take still, which is like, I wouldn't want to impose on my team members and ask them to do extra hours or, you know, ask them to stay back and and do things. And I think there's a, you know, there's certainly an argument for not, requiring instructors to do a lot of unpaid work, like I need you to stay back for two hours and clean the studio after your classes or, or whatever, unpaid. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm very sympathetic to that uh, position. But I think, you know, somebody like this is a vocation, teaching Pilates is something people are, are called to do. Uh, is something, you know, it's not something we do because it's like, oh, I couldn't get into accounting. So, you know, Pilates was right. the next best thing, you know, like, um, it, you know, people do it because they love it and everybody wants to be the best they can be. Everyone wants to help people. Everyone wants to make a difference to other people's lives. And mm-hmm. so I think you do people a disservice, do instructors a disservice when you don't give them opportunities to put in extra hours and extra effort and to improve themselves outside of class time. It's like they want that. The best ones want that, you know. And, and yeah. Yeah. Like why? So I, I mean, that's what I've told all the girls that, when I first started teaching and, you know, it's, it can be hard to come into a studio as a new person um, that works there because nobody wants to take your class. They're like, who's that new girl? I've never seen her. I don't know. I'm not going to sign up for that one. And 
so that can be like really defeating on a level like they hate me, but it's not because they hate you. They just don't know you. So like hang out in the studio. I tell all the new girls, I'm like, the more hours you just hang out, like sit at the desk, watch classes, watch us teach, take class. If there's a spot, jump in, um, say hello to every single person that comes in. The next time you see them, hey, how's it going? Remember me? Or, hey, you said something about your dog last week. Like, how's your dog? Or whatever. Just like those tiny little connections, just literally being friendly goes so far. And next thing you know, those people are like, oh, so-and-so is teaching a class. I mean, she's always in my five o'clock class. I'm going to try her class. I know her. People just want to know you, right? People want to be known and they want to know you. And so the more time you spend in the studio just hanging out, like literally we I joke when people are like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't have a real job. I mean, I know I have a real job, but it's not like I get to hang out with everybody all day. And how fun is that? You know, um, and they do, too. And so just hang out with us and call that like we'll just call that work. It's, you know, it's awesome. get better at this and we'll call that work. You've created a wonderful environment there where your staff win, where the clients win and where you as a business owner also win. And, uh, yeah, I, I really want to salute you and, you know, uh, and celebrate the success that you, you've built for yourself. And I can see you being, you're not, not nearly done yet. Uh, but yeah, you're doing awesome work, uh, Tori. That's, that's. Well, so are you guys. Like when you guys went online, I had followed you, like probably, I don't know. I probably ran across Breathe Education probably on Instagram years before probably like around the time I first started teaching. And I mean, you guys have, I don't know, maybe you just were more in person and more local, but I mean, from what I can see, you guys have grown so much and you just, I don't know, you're an invaluable resource to me. And I think to so many other people. So I really, I really thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's mutual. And, you know, like you said about teaching a class, you know, you get you get en- you get energy from doing that. I get energy from conversations like this one, where I, you know, where you've kind of taken some stuff that you might have heard from me, and then just got kind of like extrapolated and figured it out and implemented it yourself to the nth degree. Uh, yeah. And you know, you built built something that your you know that brings you joy and brings a lot of joy to other people as well. So this is this is this is why I do it. I know we got to give ourselves credit sometimes. It's hard. Why is it so hard? It shouldn't be that hard. I, I don't know. I think it's it is hard, and I think it's just I think it's just part of human nature that when we achieve a goal, like for about six seconds, we bask in the the joy of achieving it, and then straight away we're like, okay, what's the next thing? <laughs> I know. I know. I always um, my partner he was like, remember when you bought the studio and you said, okay, even if I have no clients except for the ones I already have, and I'm the only instructor that works here, like I can make this work and all the bills will be paid and it'll be okay. And that'll be okay. And he's all, yeah, what happened to her? <laughs> it's like, she just like, okay, it's going to be more. And I have to do this. And then this, and he's like, what happened to that girl? I was like, I don't know. She is lost. She's long gone. <laughs> Well, I think there are there are there are certain people and certain personalities maybe who can be very happy and content with with just something you know maintain with just a consistent 
you know, situation for, for years or decades, the, the people who work for the postal service for 40 years or whatever, and the world needs those people, right? Like oh, I need my post delivered and, and, you know. Yeah, those so, are the so, rock stars of the world. Those, those people make the world go around. But there, there's another sort of person who just can't be satisfied with with sitting back and just, you know, doing the same thing, you know, every day. And uh, obviously you're you're that sort of person. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what your partner signed up for, sorry. I know. Sometimes I ask myself, I'm like, well, what's so wrong with, like, working for someone? But then, you know, I wouldn't trade it, so that's okay. Those are the moments of doubt. Yeah, well, everything's got its everything's got its pros and cons, and there are certainly drawbacks to being a business owner when you have those low moments where you know maybe things don't work out, or maybe there's some financial pressure, or maybe a team member quits, or whatever it might be. It's like, well, the buck stops with you, and like you say, it's like, oh, oh crap, I'm teaching another ten classes this week because so and so's unwell or whatever. Oh. Uh, it's like, yeah, so you do have those moments where it's like, uh, yeah, this is why this is why it sucks sometimes. <laughs> Um, but then, I, you know, in my experience, they're vastly outnumbered by the the good times and the sense of achievement and the the, the challenge. And I actually just love playing the game of building a business. Like it's to me, it's like a big, huge, four dimensional game of Monopoly. Um, and you know, there are so many moving parts to it that it's impossible to ever master the skill. Because uh, as soon as you get something right, you know, the external circumstance change as we go into a recession or COVID starts or COVID ends or it's Christmas or it's, you know, whatever, and and something, you know, or a staff member gets pregnant or, you know, something changes and then you have to adjust. And then sometimes you adjust, you over-adjust or you adjust in the wrong direction and, you know, and, and you don't know that until you find out like, oh, yeah, no, that didn't work because I've got right. more people in my class. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so it's um it's it's an endlessly fascinating game and to me the the – the goal is to stay in the game uh, as long as possible. And I think that's um, what scary is when you are a business owner and you feel like if you're not progressing, you feel like you're not in the game anymore. Like you, you feel like you haven't, if you're not growing or if you're not doing or, you know, whatever it is, progressing and whatever your goals are, whatever, whatever it might be that you, you feel like you're actually falling behind because I mean, the world just moves so fast, you know, it's just, it's never ending. So, yeah. yeah, but every business uh, has those periods of, I guess, kind of, you know, relative stagnation of growth. I mean, we've certainly had those periods, uh, and you know, it's even in hindsight, it's often very hard or impossible to look at like, okay, what did we do wrong, or what did we stop doing, or whatever that caused that. And and still to this day, like I look back and I scratch my head and I think, you know, why did we? just not why do we flatline for those six months or whatever and right. you know often it's just like who knows seasonality recession economy climate mm-hmm. you know whatever <laughs> competitors opening up new technologies yeah. election cycles you know like who knows who knows like you just you just got to keep um you know working towards improving things in the best way you you know, using your best judgment, which is always some to some extent a guess, uh, and then you just got to be alert for okay, did that work? If yes, do more of it. If not, stop it more. and do something yeah. else. Do not stop it. Go keep going. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. 
but never try. I mean, I have the utmost respect for people. So I don't know. I mean, I think I have just a different perspective because I didn't actually like, I didn't actually start this business. You know what I mean? I came into it and it was already like so many things were already set up um, or like given to me or whatever, you know, they were, they were the, the processes and the system were already there, which in so many ways I think is a blessing, but also a curse. Um, you know, there was a lot of the, a lot of things were set up in ways that I definitely may have set, like, I don't know who's to say if I was a new owner and had started it myself, would I have set it up like that? Me now says no, but I don't, I don't know. So I have the utmost respect for the people who actually have the guts to say, you know what, there's nothing and I'm going to make something because I was like, I'm just going to buy something. <laughs> like I'm here at the right time, right place. Um. You know, it was the only studio in town. I had just become a Pilates instructor like two years before, and I didn't want to not be able to do what I was doing. And I wanted to keep the same heart of the studio. And so I was like, I think, you know, this is important. This needs to stay like our community needs this. And so it all worked out really well. But it's got to be scary starting a, a business just willy nilly on your own, just from scratch. So I don't I don't think there's any you know, greater or lesser virtue in starting a business compared to buying one. You know, they each have their 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 benefits and drawbacks. Um, and I've got a counterfactual for you because I did start my own business along with a bunch of partners. We started a Pilates studio in Melbourne in 2006. And that studio, you know, had up lots of ups and downs, lots of downs and a few ups, but the ups were very good. And then we started an education program within that studio business because we just didn't have enough instructors so we wanted to train up instructors and then at some point i got sick of being in the studio business i sold out to my partners i bought the education business and then we ran we ran that then my wife and i ran that for a couple of years or a year and then covid came along and we went online and now then we went international and so i've you know that started in december 2006 and speaking to you now in january 2024 what's that 18 years ago i've I've got this business now that was started by some idiot in 2006 who knew nothing about nothing and basically set it up completely ass backwards. You know, every, almost everything was wrong. And so if I had bought this business, I would think, what a freaking idiot, you know, I bought this business off. <laughs> but that business was like younger me, you know, <laughs> that person, that idiot was younger me. So I don't know. I think the counterfactual is you you grow and learn and as you as you learn you look back and you, you face palm a bit and you go oh god you know what was i thinking <laughs> you know <laughs> when i did that but you know i think that's just like i said at the start that's it's those mistakes that teach us the lessons because if we didn't make that mistake we wouldn't have learned the lesson and we'd still be making the mistake right. you know full like, circle exactly <laughs> so um i don't i don't think either buying a business or starting one yourself is necessarily better I think, you know, if you if I could start a business now, I would start a way better business than the business I started in 2006. I would start the business I have now. You know, I would right. start it from scratch. But, Harrod, you know, I think ironically, like, there's no way I could start this business now if I hadn't already done 18 years of trial and exactly. error and making mistakes. You know? I'm learning everything you've learned, yeah. So I just think you've got to go through the suck and – you know, that's just the price you pay and that's part of the, I don't know if it's even a price because it's it's an enjoyable part of the journey 
And I think when you look back, even the bits that suck the hardest, like when you have to let people go or when you, you know, can't make payroll one week or, you know, you lose a favorite client or, you know, whatever, like even those bits that really suck hard at the time, you look back and you have this kind of nostalgia, you know, for those moments. Um, right. And I know you're so right. And you kind of forget, you you almost kind of forget them. Like you forget that it was so terrible that the anxiety you felt at the time was just like crippling or, you know, the loss that you felt at the time was just like overwhelming. You for, you kind of forget that as you look back. Um, I think earlier you asked me, you know, to kind of lay out the bullet points and also the things that I did that fell flat. And it's like, I know there were hundreds of things I did that fell flat, but now that I'm like, I, I don't even know what I would tell you. I, I can't even, they're so in, insignificant that I don't even remember them, you know? So yeah, like things that I just probably knew were going to be great and like knew was the right decision and the right choice. And then you get into it and it just, it didn't really work out or pan out the way you wanted. And so you walk away from it or whatever you go a different direction and then you don't even remember it. It's like yeah. a blip in time. Yeah. There are, you know, that my, my business journey is littered with, you know, failed advertising campaigns, products that no one wanted to buy, you know, team members that I hired prematurely and they weren't a good fit, mm-hmm. you know, like incorrect pricing decisions, yeah. Um, you know, like just putting people in the wrong seats in the business where they weren't in a position to succeed, like just so many mistakes. But the, I think, like you say, you kind of, those disappear in the rear vision mirror and it's very easy to, you know, to, it's, it's, I mean, it's actually become very hard to kind of recall a lot of those things for me. And it's, 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 I think it's, it's a worthwhile exercise to try and capture the lessons from these mistakes as they happen. Because when we look back often, it's like, you can't even remember, you know, it's so blurry for me. But it's not that you forget the things that you learned because you, it was just like a, you know, it's like building a brick house. It's, it was just like one brick, right? It was one brick in the sea of bricks that built this house. And, and without it, you wouldn't be where you are. But was it, was it memorable, memorable or was it like the most substantial thing? Did it make or break you? Um, I think, I I think there's a, uh, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, they say that women forget the pain of giving birth, you know, and like the classic kind of trope is, uh, you know, as they're in labor, they're like, I'm never doing this again. This sucks, you know. And then like two years later, it's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Maybe we'll have another one, you know. Mm-hmm. We'll again. Biology is just magic little tool there. Um, yeah, I think it's probably that, just like a coping mechanism that yeah. you experience just the rough of the rough and you're like i don't know if i can do this anymore and then you know a little while later you make some other decisions and it turns out and you get better and you learn more and then you forget all those little things and you're you know they're in there you just your coping mechanism has said we don't need to remember those it's better this way thanks so much this has been a really uh fun conversation and i hope people listening to it um will will We'll learn a lot. And if you're listening to this, like the stuff that Tori's implemented, like I did a post on social media based on, you know, the orig- actually the original conversation I had with my CFO, Joshua Richardson, who has mentored you and was, you know, has helped you with a lot of this stuff. Um, what a guy, right? 
Yeah, he's awesome. I yeah, all the respect in the world for Josh. Um, and I captured the six kind of lessons from our conversation. Uh, you know, my conversation with Josh, which I posted on Instagram this morning. Um, and you know, when I was reflecting, I was thinking like all of these things are not complicated. It's like choose a location where there are people who can afford to pay you for Pilates. You know, um. You know, squeeze at least 10 reformers into your space. You know, model out your financials. You know, have a pricing strategy. Um, you know, like just really, really simple stuff. Um, but the, the genius is not in like knowing it, it's actually doing it. It's the doing that's the, you know, saying like choose a good location. Yeah, sure. Everyone can go like you'll do, but actually, actually going, oh, I've only got five reformers in my room. I've got to knock out a wall. I've got to get rid of the Cadillac. I've got to, you know, break the news to my clients that we're, you know, more than doubling the number of reformers in the space. Like those actual implementation functions, the behaviors, that's what makes, that's what makes the difference and, and creates a, a highly profitable business. And so I would say to you, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're, you know, you have a business that's maybe not as profitable as you want it to be or is not as organized as you want it to be, or you're thinking of starting a business. Like if if you know this stuff and you're not doing it, I would say you don't know it. And, you know, to me, I, I really like Alex Hormozzi's definition of learning, which is same situation, different behavior. And so, you know, if you when you change your behavior, that's when I think you've learned the lesson. You know, like I said before, I'm still learning you know, certain lessons. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I've learned this 10 times already. <laughs> Apparently not enough. You know, one more time is necessary at least. So, yeah, I think you need to change. It, it's like maybe this stuff is not rocket science, but it's that it's the actual doing of it. That's it, that's not necessarily the hard bit, but it's the bit that creates the result, right? Knowing it in your head doesn't do, doesn't do yeah. shit. <laughs> it's like you and have I, to do it. I think also just deciding that there's no, like, like you cannot fail. like. You won't, you won't accept that as a reality, right? Um, there's no universe where, wherein like that reality exists. And it's not that you won't mess up or that some of the things you do won't fail, but like you in your plans, like refuse to fail. You will, you will do whatever it takes and then hopefully try to make it better and do better. And it does like with the whole finding a location. Yes. Easier said than done, but also you don't need the most fancy shopping center location. Like people will come if you can nail down like something special that, that no one else is doing, or maybe other people are doing, but not that many people are doing. If you can nail down like what your, what you want to offer and you think it's special, it doesn't really matter where you set up. Like people will come, you know, today, like you don't need to be, in the shopping center that is on the busiest street for people to know where you are, the internet Agreed. exists, you know, Agreed. like if someone wants to find you, they'll find you. I agree. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I agree with you that uh, location, I, I don't think it's at all important whether you're like on a main road or in a shopping mall or, or whatever, you can be in a back street above something else or whatever. I think that's totally fine. But I think if you're in a location full of people who are on government, assistance who can't afford oh. you know like i think you need to be in a neighborhood where there are people with enough disposable income and the desire to do Absolutely. pilates right so 
Um, but you don't have to be prominent. You can be out a back street, you can be above a store, you can be in a warehouse somewhere. Um, yeah, Google exists. And that's I think how it's most hard people find stuff. With the age of the internet, you're looking at everyone and you're like, oh, they have this beautiful studio or, oh, they have this or they're in this like great location or they're, you know, whatever it is they have. You know, there's so many beautiful spaces out there to do Pilates these days. Um, it can feel like it's really easy to feel inferior, I think. But I don't know if you don't believe in what you're doing. I think that that's. That's like. Number one, you have to believe in what you're doing. And it doesn't matter if you have the nicest studio on the block or in the town. Like, if you don't believe in what you're doing. Well, I I would say that I would go further and say that, you know, the things that we've talked about today, like uh, having a team that's uh, very closely aligned and enthusiastic and aligning those incentives, financial incentives for the, for the instructors with yourself and putting your prices up and putting more reformers in the studio and having memberships and strictly enforcing a cancellation policy. Like, you know, all of those things are like way more important than what, you know, the studio, the appearance of the studio or, you know, what brand of reformers you use or you know, how fancy your website is or any of that. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having like, you know, beautifully designed Vogue living interior, you know, studio, but that doesn't make or break. I think that's like a two percenter on your business where like your pricing is a 50 percenter and how many, you know, reformers in the studio, that's a 50 percenter. You know, it's like you can double or quadruple your profits by changing the number of reformers in your studio, but there's no way you would double or quadruple your profits by, you know, updating the decor and spending a hundred thousand dollars on renovating the, you know, the space exactly. and making it better, you know, have ceiling tiles like those like i don't know, the ceiling tiles in our space and i loathe them i hate them i see them and i'm like oh ceiling tiles but honestly like nobody cares about the ceiling tiles nobody, nobody is coming to my studio because or nobody's not coming because i have ceiling tiles like nobody cares right my dentist has ceiling tiles and i actually and there's one of them's got a water stain on it and um I actually find it quite relaxing. I go in there and I actually stare at it and it kind of distracts me and it's, it's interesting. There's these interesting patterns made by the water stain. And um, so to me, it's a feature, not a not a bug. Uh, yeah, like you come to love these sort of weird quirks and stuff as long as as long as it's clean, you know, yeah. and 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 the toilets are clean and the you know the the floor you know not stained with you know food stains or whatever on it. Like hair. People are fine. Yeah. Women have a lot of hair. Yeah. Yeah. Just get it cleaned regularly. That is important, but it doesn't have to be fancy. And I would say if you, you know, every minute you spend on making it fancy is a minute you don't spend thinking about your pricing or training your team or, you know, you know, redesigning the room to fit in an extra reformer. Like I would say that's a, that's a lost minute. Yeah, I agree. Great talk. Great talk. See ya. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand 
how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.